All right. You know what? I forgot to bring them. Hey, could you hand me those glasses? I, I'm going to, I made a mistake. I was so excited about this sermon. I typed it out on my computer and I was wearing reading glasses. Now you're going to notice these are not my reading glasses. These are our, our, uh, I guess you call her executive assistant reading glasses. Donna, who was here first service. She said, Hey, you can use mine. So shut up. I know what you're thinking. I typed this out on my computer and I had reading glasses on. Everything looked big and I forgot to go back. I make this typically 24 point on my iPad. It's 12 today. We're going to talk about God's grace and I appreciate it if you'd give me some right now because I'm putting a pair of women's reading glasses on. So thank you very much. Boy, that'll be the last time I go to that church. I'm also channeling Magnum PI today. I've been watching that old thing and my wife said, Hey, I channel Mag. The only difference is you should probably unbutton those two buttons. It's only for around the house. Here we go. Ephesians chapter two, verse, we're going to start in verse one through 10. We're talking about the save part of our Vision, serve, save, shape. This is our second week talking about save. One of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible is Ephesians 2.10. So we're going to cover all of that. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Father, we thank you so much. It is by your grace. Everything we experience today, every success, every time we make it, every time we survive, every time we are forgiven, we're reminded that it's by your grace. Nothing else. You poured it out on us in unmeasurable quantities. And we're recipients of it today, Lord. Thank you, God. Help us in light of what you have done. Help us to be who we should be. And we hope we'd be better at it today because we were together in your presence. Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. You may be seated. I'm just going to stand still here and and try to teach for a little bit, if you don't mind. Paul is mature when he's writing this letter. He's not a, he's not a new believer. He's not experiencing grace for the first time. He's seen it work out in his life. I believe he's incarcerated at this point in time, writing to the Ephesians. 
he, um, there's some themes he, he has throughout his letters to the churches and, and he's saying some of them here in Ephesians and he's honing in on a few things. He's, he's talking about uh, how all people are by nature spiritually dead. So he's saying by nature, by, by natural, when you're born, you are away from God. Now I know that flies in the face of a lot of our ideas about people in this world, about how people are naturally good people. But I want to, I want to pose an argument to you. If you leave people by themselves long enough with no accountability, everybody, everyone is bad. Amen. Uh, I have an unpopular belief and my wife and I've had this conversation over the years. We've, she has had three children and I was there to witness it. I believe all babies are ugly. I'm sorry. I saw all three of our children when they came out. I just thought, eh, I hope it improves. And is there anyone else brave enough to say that? Like, Ooh, I hope it doesn't stay looking like that. We're in trouble. My first daughter was 10 pounds and her head was a shape of a cone. She had a mohawk for six months that it didn't matter what you did. You could not put, I'm like, that's not going to work when she's 18. I hope that improves. I hope that gets better. So I believe all babies are on a spectrum of ugly. They're just wrinkly and sometimes blue and just weird. And so, um, so it's proof positive when I see a newborn baby that we're all born in sin. Because <laughs> Paul's theme, he starts out by saying, we're all sinful by nature. So it kind of flies in the face of the idea that we're good people, that we're just because you're a certain from a certain place or, or a certain socioeconomic status that you're inherently good. No, we're not good. Some people are a little more refined evil than others, but by nature, we are bad. That's a theme he's writing about. He's, he's, he's writing about that God had a plan from the beginning and it was for us to find new life salvation through Christ. That all the way back in the beginning, that it was God's plan to save us when we turned away from him. And that he would use Christ to do that. That was his plan. Paul talks about it. He also, a theme is also that it's a free gift of God to us, salvation. It's not anything we can work for. It's God's gift to us. This grace, this salvation that we experience. So Paul starts in the second chapter, and he says, as for you, he's not going well for you. He, he's making a, a demarcation here because he's writing to a predominantly Gentile church. And so he's saying, as for you, Paul's Jewish. He comes from a Jewish background. He, if, you, if you read his bio, it would say Pharisee of Pharisees. As for, as for righteousness, he kept the law to perfection. He, he, he grew up in a different environment than these people grew up. And so He's, he's kind of saying, in your case, you're still sinful. You, you're naturally sinful. As for you, as for Gentiles, as for the people in Ephesus, you started out sinful. You were dead. You were separated from God. He's, he uses the terms uh, in your 
trespasses and sins and your shortcomings and your failures, you're separated from God. But then he swings back around just to make sure he's not excluding or, or, or just pointing a finger. And he says, we were all like this. So he, he includes himself. He says, we, now he's saying, even me as a staunch Jewish uh, and, and adherent to the, and adherent to the law, even I was away from even everybody who was like me, who God's chosen people, even us, we could not keep the law to the place where we were good enough in God's sight for salvation. So he swings back around. He says, no, no, no. We were all born in sin. And so now, now it's like saying, well, you were born in sin, but wait a second, I'm with you. Don't, don't, don't misinterpret that. I might be the one writing the letter. I might be the apostle, but don't think for a second that I didn't need the same grace that you need now. We are all born in sin. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm just as evil as you are. Go ahead and tell them to level the playing field. I'm just as evil as you are. So um, if, you're, if you're looking at your spouse, you might want to say, uh, you're just a little bit nicer than me. And then that might make the afternoon go better. Just a little bit nicer than me. So he's presenting that we are falling away, that not even that we're falling away, that we started off bad. But then he starts to explain that because of God's great love. You notice he doesn't say anything about us. He starts to transition the conversation by saying God's great love started to cause this to happen. It was God's love. We talked about it the other week. For God so loved the world that he gave his own. It was God's great love. If you go to chapter one, he talks about the power of God to raise Jesus from the dead. And so it begins this transition. You were away. You were, you were born in sin. You were by nature evil, but because of God's great love, he exercises mercy and made us alive. We were born again, just like we talked about Nicodemus. So you were naturally born into sin you were naturally born evil. And then the grace, the love of God causes his grace to be shown and his favor to be shown towards us. So now we can be born again with a new nature. So I was naturally sinful. Now I have the ability to not be because of God's grace in my life. Now I'm being born again as Jesus told Nicodemus. So Paul's explained to the Ephesians that it's because of God's great love, he exercises mercy and made us alive. So he makes sure to emphasize that it was God's grace that we were saved in verse five and verse eight, and not anything that we had done on our own. That's an important thing there. He's saying, listen, this is God alone and that you're saved through faith alone. Because of grace, because of God's grace, not, not anything you did. And so he begins to write in verse eight, nine, 10, he begins to unwrap that. It's not what you did. It's not what you did. Verse, verse seven, he starts to kind of lay out his, his um, marketing strategy. God's marketing strategy would be that through the ages that we would be testimonies of his grace. 
And so then when he gets to verse 10, he says, hey, listen, in light of God's grace being shown in and through you through the ages, there are works that he prepared in advance for you to do. Okay, so you, you understand kind of the breakdown of what Paul's talking about. Now I wanna, I wanna dig into this a little bit. Are you ready? You're like, glad I was over with that lecture. First thing I wanna let you know is that it's salvation is God's job. Do you understand? Salvation is God's job. There's nothing worse in an organization than having multiple people trying to do the same job. You ever been in a company like that where you say, hey man, I want you to do this. And then somebody in the other office goes, no, no, I want to do that. Somebody in the other office. And that, now you got like three people doing the same thing and none of it's getting done well. And it's just weird. And you're like, no, I want you guys to stay over here and do what you're supposed to do and let this guy do what he's supposed to do. It just gets all confusing when there's, when there's people who are trying to do something that they weren't asked to do. And so salvation gets really weird when you don't let God do it. Because what happens is, Paul talks about this all the time. It's God's grace that saved us, not anything we have done in and of ourselves. There wasn't any work you could do. You're not good. Remember, we're all like a wrinkly, evil baby. So there's no way, Paul says, that you could do anything to earn or affect your salvation. That's God's job and God's job alone. So let let me explain it to you like this. Here's what I'm, here's the way I think we should work on this. I would venture to say most of you have jobs in here or looking or getting a job or maybe you're in school, but you, but you realize the economy works like this. You work 40 hours a week, whatever your agreement is, you work and then you get paid for what you have already done. Everybody understands that's the way in America, our, 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 our work environments, that's what it looks like. You work first and then you get paid. That first couple weeks is just, it hurts, doesn't it? Because you go to the employer, they're like, well, we keep the first week. I'm like, what do you do with that? What do you mean you keep the first week? How about just give it to me? And so, so you work first and then you get paid. So what happens is, when there's a discrepancy, you feel like you have a foothold for an argument. I've already done the work, so I'm going to make sure that you do your part right. Because I've worked for this, so I'm going to get what's coming to me. I worked 43 hours, and you paid me for 41 and a half. And next thing you know, you're at HR, and you're knocking through, you're like, I'm going to get my hour and a half. Telling you one, you're on Facebook, you're like, this, this whole company's a wreck. Why do we do that? Because the understanding is I've already put out the effort, and so I have a right to the payment that we agreed on. Amen? So everybody understand that. The problem is this God's economy never works that way because He paid you before you started working. <laughs> All of you are like, wait a second. That never happens. You know why you never pay people before they start working? Because you're afraid they're going to take advantage of you. I'm going to let that sink in for about 15 minutes. God's grace 
overlooks the idea that you would take advantage of him and he pays you anyway. So God says this, God says, I love the world so much that I sent Jesus, my only son, that if you would just believe on him and accept the grace that he is offering, that you will not perish but have everlasting life. And he says, you can't do anything. You can't show up every day. You can't work enough. I paid you before you were even eligible to be an employee. I paid you before you even thought about working. I paid you. I paid you when you weren't even fit to have a job. I already paid everything. So now what happens is now we have no right to argue because we've already been paid. So it's like, well, when I got to work 20 hours, I'm really, really happy about that. But when I got to work 60, I'm like, God, man, what are you doing? You know, I mean, I don't know about this anymore. But we are approaching it oftentimes from the, from the idea that, that we're working for God like we're working for an employer. If I do this, then God will reward me for it. If I do this then God will save me for it. If I do this, then it makes him love me more. If I do this, then it makes all this thing better. And the reality is, is he's already paid you. He's already paid you. So now when I go to God and say, God, this is so tough, it's not fair. I gave you enough grace for that. Oh man. You know what I've figured out in my life is that The reason it doesn't seem like there's enough is because I never go back to the bank account and check. It's like walking around with a debit card in your pocket going, I don't think there's anything in there. When's the last time you checked? Well, I don't. This is really good because we live in a society that nobody reconciles their bank account. Ask a 25 year old how many times they've reconciled their bank account in the past four years. They're like, dude, it still works. What do I need to figure it out for? Just keep swiping it. That thing keeps going. Yeah. 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 Oh, I could go so many places with that. Your mother checked your bank account. It's still fine. Thank her for it. But we're, but God put enough in there for us through every circumstance And all we need to do is go back and check the balance because he always pays in advance because it's not by works in case any one of us would get bold enough to boast about it. No, he said, I paid for it all. So it's not the economy that you're used to working in where I'm going to work really hard and then I'm going to get what's coming to me. No, if I work really hard and depend on getting what's coming to me, it's always death. But if I let God pay for it first... Amen. Now here's the, here's the demarcation that we need to make because this will get confusing to you because you say, pastor, you're always telling us to do good things, do good things, do good things. Yeah, yeah, I am. I am. The difference is I'm not doing good things to get paid. I'm doing good things because I was paid. That little line right there will change your mentality for the rest of your life. I'm not doing things so I can get paid. I'm doing good things because I already have been paid. So Paul says this, 
Paul says, this is not by works, lest any man should boast. He said, salvation is God's job. Period. Salvation is God's job. Don't try to mess with it. Don't try to earn it. You can't do it. He's already done it. He already did everything. Jesus hung on the cross with it is finished. Nobody has to pay any more for this than what I've already paid. It is finished. I didn't use a credit card. There's no more. I paid cash. The whole thing was paid for right now when he said it is finished. Done. Nobody needs to check. It's over finished. Then the Bible says God's great power raised him from the dead. So he paid for your sin and then he made it possible that you could be raised from the dead and experience eternal life. Over finished, the whole thing has been paid for. So we don't do anything because he's not doing it because we did it. We're doing it because he did it. You know what? That takes away your opportunity to manipulate God. Some of that, some of you are like, well, I don't do that. Have you ever said, I changed the way I pray for people. (laughs) I don't think people like it. You know the way I want to start out prayers? If you're sick, I want to pray for you like this. Lord, this person was wretched in sin, but your great grace delivered them. But they're still unworthy of your grace. Is that a more accurate prayer? Yeah. But because of your great grace, we are throwing ourselves at your mercy because you said what you had already paid for made it possible for us to be healed because of the resurrection power of Jesus. So we have no footing other than that. And I'd just like to come to you today and throw myself on your grace and say, do the healing work that only you can do. It's not my job. But what we start out with is this, Lord, this is a really good person that deserves it. They were ugly when they were a baby too. (laughs) Go back and look at the pictures. If we could get that in our heads, we're not working to impress God. We're working because God paid for the whole thing. How long am I going to work for him? It doesn't matter. He paid for it. How long am I going to serve? It doesn't, there is no time limit. I, there's no way I could work it off. There's no way I could do something enough to, to make up the difference about what he's already done. And so now the economy changes. So Paul, Paul in other areas talks like this. He says, you were once a slave to righteous, slave to sin, but now you're a slave to righteousness. Now, now watch how this works. You were once a slave to sin. He tells the Ephesians, The reason I knew you were away from God is the way you acted because you just gave in. You just, you were living to fulfill your carnal desires, your, your fleshly desires. Now, can I just demystify that whole word flesh? Anybody know what that means? Your fleshly desires like, Ooh, fleshly. We don't really go around anymore going that was fleshly. So it's terminology gets kind of confusing that we say you need to crucify. Paul says, crucify the flesh daily. Well, I don't know what that means. Some cultures mean you beat yourself on the back with chains. By the way, that doesn't work. And it hurts. So everybody just go like this, grab the front of your head right here. Just feel it a little bit. Don't squeeze real hard. Just, just, just a little feeling right there. 
Sometimes they say when you're stressed out or you're trying to think, you should, you should kind of rub the sides of your temples like this. Like, oh, yeah. Get that blood flowing in that prefrontal cortex right there. That's why all your good decisions are made. So what happens is this. Paul tells the Ephesians church that you were, that you, the reason I knew, the reason everybody could tell that you were sinful by nature is because by nature you chose to fulfill the desires of the flesh. He didn't even say you really chose. You just fulfill the desires of the flesh. So where's those desires come from? Right there. That thing, that mush inside that, that cage you have for a head, that thing right there. You wake up in the morning and you go, I'm going to be mad till I get some coffee. How do I know that's you? Because I hear you say, no man, don't mess with me before I get coffee. Well, like the grace of God isn't able to get you up in the morning with a smile on your face. No, because you wake up, Paul saying, you were just living to fulfill the desires of the flesh. So whatever pops in, you go with. Now, what, now follow me on this logic. It is very important in our society today with the, we, that we understand this. And I'm going to step up on the soapbox right now. i got to tell my kids all the time, never start a conversation like this. And everyone does it in our society. And it's becoming extremely popular. And, it, and I, I go like that every time I hear it. Throw up in my mouth a little bit. It's this. When's the last time you heard somebody say, well, I feel like this is what we should do. Maybe you say it. If you're, if you, if you say, well, I say that it's the condemnation of the Holy spirit on you right now. That's a joke. So let me tell you why this is important. I feel like this is what, so we've gotten, you've heard me say this before. We've gotten to a place in our society where, where it's, it's not good to argue with people's feelings. If your wife looks at you or your spouse or your friend looks at you and says, man, I really feel, no, you don't. That's the quickest way to a marriage counselor you've ever seen in your life. No, you don't feel like that. Oh, you're telling me I don't feel like that? That's not really what I'm saying. I'm saying that's a dumb way to feel. No, that's not what I'm saying either. You see how tricky that gets? Well, I can't argue with your feelings. Oh, you feel sad. No, you don't. So what we've done in our society, we've cloaked everything as a feeling. We stop thinking and we only feel. But that's not how you follow righteousness. Because Paul says by nature, you were a slave to sin. That means by nature, you didn't think about it. You just went with it. You just went with the feeling. Now we're singing more than a feeling. So, so the thing is this. The thing is this. We are born again through the grace of God. Now that old nature has gone away. Now the Bible, Paul also writes and tells Timothy that he did not give us a spirit of fear, which is a feeling. Fear is a feeling, isn't it? Because I can think myself past fear. Right? So watch what happens. So instead of just being by nature, doing actions of the flesh, whatever I feel like in the moment. Well, I feel like I don't like you. I feel like you've disrespected me. I feel like you're not treating me right. I feel like I'm not getting paid enough. I feel like it's so in response to that feeling, I'm going to treat you bad. I'm going to treat you this way. I'm going to treat you that way. I'm going to do all this. But then Jesus comes along and says, do good to those who persecute you. So what happens is in the moment of persecution, it doesn't change my feelings 
Because if you're persecuted, you still feel persecuted. You're like, oh no, that's nothing. You still feel persecuted, but what he has done now is he has removed the spirit of fear, but given us a power, love, and there's a little phrase there that I love. Does anybody know it? Sound mind. That means he's given you the ability to use that thing right there to go, you know what? The grace of God already paid for my salvation, so I don't have to act like that anymore, but the grace of God was enough that in this circumstance, I can think past what I feel and do what he called me to do. You see how that works? So watch this. God prepared good works in advance for you to accomplish. So you know what you're going to have to start thinking about? Every circumstance that you don't feel like it is an opportunity he put in front of you in advance to think through it. And to think, you know what? The grace of God poured out on me so much, so lavishly, that now I don't have to just go with the flesh. Now he's given me the opportunity. He's he rebirthed me. He, I'm born again now. I've got a new nature. So even though I feel this way, I can operate this way. And what Paul says is this is God's billboard for, for you. You say, what are you talking about? So watch how this works. Anybody remember when the LED billboards came out? Driving down the road, you're like, Wait, let's back up before that. You remember when the billboard started turning? Driving down the road and you saw. And you're like, you know what my first thought was? They're getting double for that same billboard. That's crazy. They used to get $600 a month for that billboard. Now they're getting 12. Genius. All they did was make it turn once. Then they had them to turn three times. And you're like, whoa. And then I remember the first time I was in a bigger city and I saw an LED billboard and I thought, man, that is marketing genius. Every 15 seconds, you can have another advertisement up on another advertisement. And I called one time about getting an advertisement on there. And you know what? They're just as expensive. It's crazy. I thought surely they'd lower the price a little bit because there's multiple. No, they're like, it's LED. You're paying. So I thought, man, this is genius, Lord. What Paul writes to the Ephesians is light of God's grace in light of what he's already done, in light of you not working for it, but working because of it. You're his advertising agency. You're his advert, you're his billboard. And so, you know, we get all caught up on how to talk to people about Jesus. And, and we try to get formulas like, well, next time you're standing in, in Walmart, tap somebody on the shoulder and just show them a picture of a, of a bridge with a gap in it. Be like, this is you, this is God. Before you buy that case of Coors Light, I need to make sure you know this. This is you, this is God. See, there's nothing in between. You're over here with Coors Light. I see it in your cart. And this is God over here. And then there's Jesus who doesn't drink Coors Light. He wanted to jump that gap between you and God. And you need to make sure that you know him today. And we just come up with all these awkward things that we try to do. And like on a moment's notice, like, okay, uh, uh, we're going to have the Christian talk. And uh, okay, I'm going to use number three. When Paul said, that he wants to demonstrate his great grace on you throughout the generations. 
Holy cow. That means he put enough in the bank to last past my life, past my kids' life, past my grandkids' life, past my great grand. He put enough in the bank to advertise the whole time of his goodness. So watch what he says. He says that, and I know the people in the back are losing their minds because I haven't went to a note. Good works are our response. Put that one up. Now they're happy. There you go. Watch this. So what happens is we respond with good works. So James, James says this, James says, what good is it if you claim to have faith and nothing follows it? So remember, we're not doing it because we're trying to get paid. We're doing it because we're already paid. So what we're working is an outflowing of what God has already put in us. It's not trying to get him to put more in us. It's an outflowing of what he's already done. His goodness already towards us. His everything towards us causes us to do this. So James comes along and then says, what good is this faith if nothing is, nothing results from it? He says, you didn't, you didn't do this stuff to get saved, but after you're saved. So then Paul writes to the Ephesians and says, the reason I knew you were, you were evil from the start is because of what you did. James says, the reason I know you've been reborn is because of what you do. Did you hear that? He didn't say be, you, what you do causes you to be reborn, but he, say, he says, I can tell you're reborn because of what you're doing. You're God's walking billboard. Every circumstance of your life is a proof positive that God's grace was enough for you. And we're trying to figure out, how do I tell them about Jesus? How do I tell them about Jesus? Ah, well, could I tell you a story? I mean, it just gets so awkward and weird. And we read, Paul's like, hey, listen, God wants to exhibit his grace and mercy through all generations in you. By what you are doing, less about what you are saying. Now, I'm not saying that you don't introduce people to Jesus at some point in time. I'm saying you live a life that when you eventually do, nobody's weirded out about it. Nobody goes, whoa, I didn't expect to hear that from you. <laughs> I still got the tire marks in, over my back where you ran over me and backed up. And now all of a sudden you want to talk about Jesus because you're not getting your way. So he says, my plan is, is to show my grace through the generations. So he flips and he says, it's not by works lest any man should boast. So you didn't get here by working, but since you're here and you've experienced God's grace, work is a result of that. So he says, just so you understand, it's not by works lest any man should boast. It's the gift of God. It's the grace of God. But it is a result of what he's done for you. The band's going to come. I'm going to end like this. So you're God's multi-generational billboard. He says in verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So what, here's the problem. Stand to your feet. Here's the problem. Work typically looks like work. You've heard me say that before. Work typically looks like work. I don't know about you, but work for me always looks like work. Now I know you're praying to God to show up to a job one day that it never feels like work. Can I let you in a little secret? That job doesn't exist. Job doesn't exist. 
because he's, he's given us talents and abilities on this earth to accomplish things. And sooner or later, no matter how much you like the job, it's going to be work. So here's the way I need you to look about, look at it. Here's the way I need you to look at it. God is calling us to be a billboard in every good situation and every bad situation. He said he, he created in advance for us good work to do. He didn't say the good work would be in good situations. He didn't say it'd be good work the way you want it every time. He didn't say it would be good work and, and we'd be healthy all the time. He didn't say it'd be good work and you'd, be, you'd have all the money you need all the time. He didn't say it was good work and it'd always go your way. He didn't say it was good work and it would always be exactly the way you want it, when you want it, how you want it. That was not the prerequisite. He said he would just provide opportunities for you to do good work. So that tells me, in an awful situation, I could still be a billboard. What if we thought about it like this? Lord, in this difficult circumstance, you have predestined me to do good in this circumstance. You already gave me enough grace to be an overcomer in this circumstance. You already gave me enough grace to have a good attitude in this circumstance. You already gave me enough grace to do good things in this. You pre-planned for me to do good right now. And if you walked into every circumstance like that, then when we opened our mouth up about, man, God's grace is what has sustained me, nobody would go, whoa, really? They'd say, you know what? I knew there was something about you every time the chips are down. You're always the same. Every time the thing blows up, you're, all, you're always, you, you always work hard. You always have a good attitude. And I can tell sometimes it's difficult, but you always seem to be able to, to, be able to make it happen. It's God's grace. It's God's grace. I'm not doing it because I'm trying to press God. I'm doing it because he paid for me. So I got a couple things right here. These are some If we're going to be a billboard and do good works, do what we say we'll do. Let's be people of our word. Show up early. Create a reputation for being dependable. Under promise and over deliver. Shock people with how good you are. Never have people be disappointed because they saw your work after you told them. Just let people find out that, hey man, he's better than I thought he was. She's better than I thought she was. Be generous in every situation. Plan for it. If God planned good works for you to do, you might want to plan on showing up to those. Just plan on being generous. Forgive people every time. You're a billboard. Never make an excuse. If it's a bad day, God is still good. Never make an excuse. Never walk in and go, man, you better stay away from me today. I'm telling you right now, it hadn't been going well. When I was writing that down, I started thinking about Jesus. Jesus hanging on the cross. He got there after a brutal beating where he was unrecognizable. Somebody else carried it for him and he ends up on the cross and he musters up enough grace to say, forgive them, Father. They don't even know what they're doing. And then he looks over at the guy next to him and says, hey, you can come with me today. The next time Satan wells up within you to say, it's gonna be a bad day for everybody because I don't feel good, you're not hanging on a cross. Go ahead and forgive everybody for being a jerk and then invite them with you. It's what Jesus did. 
So we don't make excuses. We don't go, oh, it's a bad day because I've had a bad week. Stop making excuses about it. He's already given us enough grace. Live in such a way that people cannot deny the faith you have. And when you share it, it'll never be a surprise. Father, we ask you this morning. We ask you this morning just to just remind us of how much you've already paid. Remind us, Lord, of what we have access to, that it's unlimited grace. And like Paul said, it's always enough. You told him in every circumstance it would be enough. So we pray, Lord, that if we feel like there's a deficit today, that we could overcome our feeling and realize you've given us access to enough grace to be your witness, to be your billboard in every circumstance we are in. God, we make a commitment today. We'll stop working like you owe us something and we'll start working like we owe you something. You have already paid for it, Lord. And what we're doing is just an expression of our gratitude towards you. Lord, you've already given us enough. You've already done it. And so we pray, Lord, that our lives would be a, an exclamation point on your grace, Lord. Just a, just a proof positive that it works. So we pray for enough grace tomorrow to wake up. And even if we don't have a good attitude, Lord, that we just force it because you're good. Lord, even if it is difficult that we, that we just access enough grace to forgive. Even if it is difficult, we access enough grace to bless people. Even if it is difficult, we access enough grace to, to be generous. God, and we pray that we would be a shining example of your unlimited grace through all generations. God, we pray that we do a good job showing people how good you are. Thank you for the opportunity you put up in front of us. Thank you for everything Lord, that you've set in front of us by your design. And we pray, Lord, that we use the grace that you've given us to be good. Thank you for it. 